Hey everybody, just wanted to uh, thank you for stopping by and, and checking in. Uh, I am Pastor Rob Lloyd of the South Edmiston Community Church, and this is the Pastor's Office. So the last couple weeks, we've been in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to be continuing in that for this week and probably next week as well. We have covered uh, up through verse 11, so we're going to be starting with verse 12 today as we go through the chapter uh, 3 again in Colossians, and we're using the English Standard Version. So let's get right into it, uh, starting again, Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to end right there with verse 17. So we're just going to be looking at verses uh, 12 through 17 today. And while there's a lot in these verses, uh, in this little passage, we're going to try to keep it semi-quick so I don't keep you too long tonight or uh, whenever you decide to watch this, but again, this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossae, and uh, he's giving them some advice along the way in a letter to try to help them to be the best church that they can be. Now, remember, the church is the people. It's not a specific building, but we also have to remember that we are called to gather together as a church family, so we cannot just... Uh, set that aside because Hebrews 10.25 says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we, we still need to assemble together, but this is this is the assembly. This is the group he's speaking to. But remember, uh, back in these days, a lot of the times the churches, they met in someone's house. Uh, and they might meet, you know, in, in, in a, a church type of a setting, but primarily it was maybe out in the streets or in someone's house. And depending on where they were in, um, uh, the level of persecution they dealt with, a lot of times it was in hiding as well. So um, you got to remember that type of thing as we look into what he's writing about here. So again, starting out, and we're just going to go through these verses as we go. Verse 12, putting on then as God's chosen ones. Now, we got to remember, we have the free will to accept and to follow, but God has chose us. He has chosen us. He has, as uh, Paul writes in other areas, he calls the those who have accepted the Lord the elect. Um, God has chosen us. He has called us, called us to him, drawn us to him. He's revealed himself to us so that we can be drawn to him. So in that, again, with our free will, we can choose to deny, which leads to the ultimate sin, um, the unforgivable sin, which would be the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
or we choose to draw near to him and hopefully end up being true followers in uh Remember, a follower is not someone who just uh, believes that, that God is real or Jesus is real, uh, you know, that type of thing. But a, a true follower is someone who, as Jesus said, who, who takes up his, their cross and follows him, um, understands that there's work involved, understand that there's a sacrifice involved, understand that uh, the life of Christianity is not going to be an easy one. Uh, we need to die to self and to follow him. So, Again, verse 12, putting on then as God's chosen ones, speaking of us, here's our heart attitude. Holy, beloved, and compassionate hearts. That's what our heart attitude needs to be. We need to be holy in our dealings with other people and with the, with the Lord. So we need to act as much like Christ as we possibly can in, in all our interactions. That That's what we're called to do as his chosen ones. We are to act as though we are loved, because we are loved by our Lord and Savior. We are loved. So we are supposed to act like we are the beloved, holy, chosen ones of God. Compassionate. There are a lot of people hurting in this world. Um, I, I guarantee whoever it is that's watching this video or listening to this podcast, you personally know someone who's hurting. Maybe you're hurting yourself, um, but we're still supposed to be compassionate even if we're hurting, but we need to be compassionate to others. We need to show God's love toward other people. So holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, we're supposed to show kindness to each one. Humility, not an attitude problem like I know I can get and many other people can get, but not an attitude. Humility, to be humble, to be humble in our dealings with others. That is so difficult for a lot of people, and I find myself sometimes struggling with, with the humble type of an attitude because I have worked very hard to be where I am today, and, and it's, it's pretty easy for me to say, well, I got me here. No, I didn't get me here. God allowed me and helped me along the way to be where I am. But how often do we try to take um, credit for what God has given us? So there again, humility, that humble Attitude, meekness. <clears throat> now, meekness, remember, is not weakness. It's strength or power that is under control. If you look at the Webster's Dictionary, um, and I'm a little off on some of the wording of this, but it basically is saying, enduring punishment without retaliation. Does that sound maybe familiar? Like uh, maybe that's how Jesus lived his life? Um enduring punishment who has dealt with more punishment than basically being beaten almost to death there's some experts that believe that if jesus had not been hung on the cross he more than likely would have died from the injuries he was given from the whipping and the beating that he was given he was beaten that bad for us so did he do anything in return nothing. Enduring punishment without retaliation or strength or power under control. 
meek, if you're a powerful person, be under control. And in being under control, we follow all these other words in here of the compassion, of the kindness, of the humility. It all comes through that meekness. But remember, do not confuse meekness for weakness because it is not. And patience. I struggle with that, folks. Um, I am not a very patient person at times. Um, I'm a lot better than I used to be. And I, I pray and hope that each and every day I become uh, more patient. But that is one of my weaknesses, is patience. Um, if I want something, I want it now. Um, if I want to attain something, I, I want to attain it. If I want to go out and witness to others, I want to do it right now. Don't wait. I want it right now. Um, and it's so easy to um, symbolically beat someone over the head with the Bible when we are supposed to be showing them a more loving heart. And uh, it's a lot easier to lead someone to the Lord through what we've been through in our lives than it is to give them a bunch of scripture references and, and basically beat them over the head with the Bible because that's not what people are looking for. Um, so let's go on a little bit farther here. Verse 13, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Um, helping others with their load. Now, whether that load be physical, um, they're physically working and we go to help them. Um, bearing their load in that way. Or bearing uh, their sorrows. Bearing their griefs. Um, taking some of that off of them and onto ourselves. Um, it might mean praying with somebody, just sitting with someone and allowing them to just vent to you. Um, there's a lot of different ways that uh, we can bear with one another. But it's it's an active sort of thing. And, and that's one thing we're, we notice in Scripture. Um, we're, we're constantly called to act. We're not called to just sit down and, and say, well, Jesus has done this for me and I'm going to sit back and, and enjoy it. No, it's it's not about that. It's it's about doing. One, when we're called to be a follower of Christ, we are called to do and to do and to do. Now, works will never save us. Um, some people claim that I, that I say that type of thing, so I'm going to say it again. Works cannot save us. They will not save us. That is grace alone through our faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. His completely sinless life that he lived. Faith in that is what activates God's grace and therefore we can be saved through that. So works will not save us. However, James stated that faith without works is dead. And so our faith, if we're not working out our faith, if we're not doing what God has called us to do, our our faith can slip. Satan can get in there with those little digs of, did he really do that? Or did he really say that? Kind of like he, he said in the garden to Adam and to Eve. Um, did he really, I mean, is it really true? Do you really truly think that? See, those are the things that come in. And if we are constantly in his word, if we are constantly speaking to others about him, if we are doing those works, 
as we do those works and we see the fruit that we get from that, that builds our faith. And that's why faith without works is dead, is when we do those works, it builds our faith. If we don't do the works, our faith seems to drop off. So that's why James put that. So again, bearing with, with, with one another, and then a little bit farther in here, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Do you have an issue with uh, a friend or a family member or it might not even be somebody you really like? Um, we are called to forgive. As difficult as that may be. And I know some people that have been deeply, deeply hurt by others. I'm sure there's people that I have deeply hurt along the way. Um, and I ask that if, if I have for, if I've hurt you that, that you would forgive me for that. Um, as I forgive those who have hurt me along the way, forgiveness is not even so much for the other person it's for ourselves. Because if we're carrying that sometimes guilt, sometimes just anger or fear or, or whatever it is, a lot of times it's hatred. But when we have that grudge against someone, it's it's eating us up. It, it's giving us the indigestion. It's giving us the high blood pressure. It's giving us the stress. If we forgive that person and let it go, we have better health because of it. Um, God's pretty smart in, in how he put everything together here. But we are to forgive. Let it go. He has forgiven us. Now think about what we have done to him along the way. Think of how many times you've probably sinned today. He's forgiven you already for it. Think about that. And, and, and what we've done against him versus what someone has done against us kind of pales in comparison, doesn't it? He has forgiven us. Let's forgive others as well. And as, as we go on here, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must, big word here, must, it's not an option, it's not a negotiation, so you also must, a command, must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Think about the statement, God is love. We say it all the time, God is love. Jesus is love. If we truly believe that, look at, look at all of the intricate balances throughout the universe, whether the solar systems and, and all of it that goes on in the universe. Um, look at how it all goes together, how planets just float around and, and, and they stay in around the sun. And really? We don't get any closer and burn up. We don't get any farther and freeze to death. We'll stay really close. Look at all the, the systems just within our bodies that just some pile of nerves and mush in our head controls everything without us even knowing it. Keeps all our organs running. I talk a lot with my hands. I don't even think about it when I'm doing it. 
my mind just does it. It controls it. I don't even think about it. There's there's times where you know, whether it's muscle memory or whether it's hand-eye coordination that we do things, we don't really even think about it. I mean, when you reach for a cup to take a drink, just think about that. How which part of your arm moves at what angle and what degree to make that happen? You don't know. You just take your arm and you reach for the cup. Now, when you take your hand and grab that cup, do you know how many pounds of pressure per finger you're putting on it? Do you perfectly balance that in your cup? Or does your body basically just do it because of muscle memory? It's all these all these things that, that God just puts together for us that we don't even pay attention to. So if we love like him, he binds everything together in perfect harmony. Everything around us is bound together in perfect harmony. Everything is perfectly harmonious. With the exception of the human nature that we sin and screw it up. Look at what the... Look at what the Garden of Eden must have been like. With Adam and Eve living there, how beautiful and amazing and everything was in harmony. Until what happened? Sin. Till mankind sinned and messed it all up. Everything was in perfect harmony because everything was in God's love. So let's go on a little farther. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So let's break that verse down. And let the peace of Christ. I don't know about you, but I know when I made a conscious effort to truly be a follower, not just a believer in Christ, when I started, uh, I don't know, coming into ministry in different ways, uh, I started out doing junior church at the church that, that I was active in at that time. I would take the kids during the sermon, and we would do a, a quick little uh, lesson based on, um, you know, whatever the Lord led me to do. Um, but it was it was a biblical type of thing. Uh, we would do a, a lesson that was based at their age. So um, it was like second, third grade in, in that neighborhood. So we I would gear it to, to their um, knowledge level. And then the last few minutes of um, when the, the pastor would be preaching, uh, the church that I was part of, we had a gym and the kids would go in and play and have a good time for a few minutes. But all that said to when you start into ministry and when you start taking your life seriously in Christ, there is a peace in your heart there is a, a, a drive as well. But there is a peace in your heart that you just can't understand. It's like you know you're doing what God has called you to do. And he, he gets into that in, in verse 15 too. And let that peace, so that inner peace that he gives us, when we start really truly taking him seriously, he gives us that peace. Let that rule in your heart. Not just be part of, but let it rule let it take hold. Let it command your heart, your life attitude. Let that peace rule you, control you. Think of that. Just think of that. Christ's peace ruling your heart. To which indeed you are called in one body. 
Now, I find this interesting, you know, being called in one body. This is where we need to get together. We are being called to do these things. God has placed a calling on each one of our hearts that are believers. He has called us to do something for him. But he has called us to come together in one body. And I've preached on this a few different times, but that one body, I mean, maybe you're this finger, maybe you're a pinky, maybe your thumb, maybe your knee. But you ever notice when one part of your body isn't doing well, the rest of your body seems shot. It's no different in the body of Christ. If if the if your body is very healthy, but your knee is just causing you tremendous pain, you basically can't walk. It, it seems like every time you move your arm, your leg hurts. Well, what about in the church body? What about, what about if someone is hurting in our church family? Should we, as other parts of the body, be doing everything we can to help, to heal, to restore back to health that sore, aching, hurting body part? Of course we should. So that's why we're called in one body. Work to be a body, a group working together to help each other out and be thankful. We don't need to be thankful for everything, but we need to be thankful in everything. God tests us. He throws trials at us. He throws some tribulations at us. Sometimes he slaps our hands for us because we need it. It is what it is. It's how he operates. And even in those times of difficulty, we still must be thankful. Thankful for what he has done. Thankful for who he is to us. Thankful for the comfort we get. Thankful for the number one thing, the salvation he offers us. But to be thankful in everything, even as difficult as that may seem and it may be, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ, the Bible, Holy Bible, let the word of Christ, what he has said, what he has done, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not stop by for a visit, dwell to live to, like like your house. You dwell there. Your stuff is there. That's where you go for comfort. That's where you go to sleep. That's where you go for familiarity. You go home. You go to your dwelling. You go to where you dwell. So, think about your heart, your, your, your soul. That's where Christ is to dwell. The word of Christ to dwell in your heart, to be there, not to leave, but to be there, to dwell. Oh, amazing words here. Dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We are supposed to be helping each other out. We are, instead of teaching and admonishing, let's, let's put it in more of a modern terminology. How about an accountability? Yes, the teaching part, but the accountability. Being accountable to each other. Be accountable for each other. If your brother's hurting, go help your brother out. But at the same time, accept the help that is coming from your brother. Accept that. Remember, it's more than just 
Sunday morning. It's more than just some churches get together Sunday evening as well, or Saturday night in a lot of cases, or, or a Wednesday evening for a Bible study. It's more than that. It's what I push in my church and in my congregation is family. To truly be family. And families, we argue. We disagree. We have differences. But boy, do we stick up for each other. And if anyone's hurting, we help each other. Because that's what family is. And I, I would like to, for you to, to think about that as well. To think about what family truly is and what family truly means to you. But to be family. Not just to know someone, but to truly know them at a deeper level. To get to know each person in your church family. And you can't do that unless you're together. Then it goes on, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Being thankful to God while we're singing. Let's lift up our voices and singing and praising Him. Let's just, folks, I can't sing worth a who. I'll be the first to admit it. But in church, I'm still going to be singing. When I'm driving down the road in my fuel truck doing my day job, I sing along with the praise songs I'm listening to because I'm the only one that can hear it. It's not a joyful noise to everybody else, but it's a joyful noise to the Lord. We're supposed to do this to him, for him. Verse 17 is where we end. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, whatever you do, that's everything you do, in word, so everything you say, everything you physically do, everything, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Think about that. Think of your actions. If you are doing everything in the name of Jesus Christ, are you sinning? In the name of the Lord Jesus, are you swearing? Are you sleeping around? Are you getting drunk? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about that. When we back up to forgiveness earlier in this passage, what we're forgiven for, we are supposed to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So anytime we're doing something that we should not be doing, remember, you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's big, folks. We're doing it in his name. If we're out fornicating in his name, what a blasphemous, nasty, rotten thing we're doing. Any sin, lying in his name, stealing in his name, Anything like that in his name. Think about that. And then think about the forgiveness that he gives us. And ask yourself, why won't you forgive someone? When you have done something so absolutely deplorable to God in the name of his son, and he forgave you, why can't you forgive him? Forgive your brother. 
Forgive your sister. Forgive your friend. Forgive. Forgive others. And as we end this verse, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Again, being thankful. Thankful for everything that He gives us. Everything He does for us. Be thankful. Like the hymn, Count Your Blessings. Think about it. Count the times that He has blessed you. Gotten you out of a situation that, ooh, that wasn't a good situation. Think about that. Think about a lot of stuff in this section tonight. There's a lot of things that can really kind of tear our hearts apart. But if we are doing what we are called to do in living right, we can, with a clear heart and with a clear conscience, say, Lord, I'm doing this in your name. Folks, I, I want to do this podcast and this video that we're doing tonight. I, I want to do these in the name of Jesus. I want to live my life in the name of Jesus. And I sure hope that you do as well. Until next week, may God richly bless each and every one of you today. Forgive one another, love one another, and God bless.